Interlude, An Intuitive Explanation of Bayes' Theorem Your friends and colleagues are talking about something called Bayes' Theorem, or Bayes' Rule, or something called Bayesian Reasoning. They sound really enthusiastic about it, too, so you Google and find a web page about Bayes' Theorem, and it's this equation. That's all. Just one equation. The page you found gives a definition of it, but it doesn't say what it is, or why it's useful, or why your friends would be interested in it. It looks like this random statistics thing. Why does a mathematical concept generate this strange enthusiasm in its students? What is this so-called Bayesian revolution now sweeping through the sciences, which claims to subsume even the experimental method itself as a special case? What is the secret that the adherents of Bayes know? What is the light that they have seen? Soon you will know. Soon you will be one of us. While there are a few existing online explanations of Bayes' theorem, my experience with trying to introduce people to Bayesian reasoning is that the existing online explanations are too abstract. Bayesian reasoning is very counterintuitive. People do not employ Bayesian reasoning intuitively, find it very difficult to learn Bayesian reasoning when tutored, and rapidly forget Bayesian methods once the tutoring is over. This holds equally true for novice students and highly trained professionals in a field. Bayesian reasoning is apparently one of those things which, like quantum mechanics or the Wasson selection test, is inherently difficult for humans to grasp with our built-in mental faculties or so they claim. Here you will find an attempt to offer an intuitive explanation of Bayesian reasoning, an excruciatingly gentle introduction that invokes all the human ways of grasping numbers, from natural frequencies to spatial visualization. The intent is to convey, not abstract rules for manipulating numbers, but what the numbers mean, and why the rules are what they are and cannot possibly be anything else. When you are finished reading this, you will see Bayesian problems in your dreams. And let's begin. Here's a story problem about a situation that doctors often encounter. 1% of women at age 40 who participate in routine screening have breast cancer. 80% of women with breast cancer will get positive mammographies. 9.6% of women without breast cancer will also get positive mammographies. A woman in this age group had a positive mammography in a routine screening. What is the probability that she actually has breast cancer? What do you think the answer is? If you haven't encountered this kind of problem before, please take a moment to come up with your own answer before continuing. Next, Suppose I told you that most doctors get the same wrong answer on this problem. Usually only around 15% of doctors get it right. Really? 15%? Is that a real number or an urban legend based on an internet poll? It's a real number. See Cassell's, Schoenberger, and Grabois, 1978, Eddy, 1982, Geigerenzer and Hoffridge, 1995 and many other studies. It's a surprising result which is easy to replicate, so it's been extensively replicated. On the story problem above, most doctors estimate the probability to be between 70% and 80%, which is wildly incorrect. Here's an alternate version of the problem on which doctors fare somewhat better. 
10 out of 1,000 women at age 40 who participate in routine screening have breast cancer. 800 out of 1,000 women with breast cancer will get positive mammographies. 96 out of 1,000 women without breast cancer will also get positive mammographies. If 1,000 women in this age group undergo a routine screening, about what fraction of women with positive mammographies will actually have breast cancer? And finally, here's the problem on which doctors fare best of all, with 46%, nearly half, arriving at the correct answer. 100 out of 10,000 women at age 40 who participate in routine screening have breast cancer. 80 of every 100 women with breast cancer will get a positive mammography. 950 out of 9,900 women without breast cancer will also get a positive mammography. If 10,000 women in this age group undergo a routine screening, about what fraction of women with positive mammographies will actually have breast cancer? The correct answer is 7.8%, obtained as follows. Out of 10,000 women, 100 have breast cancer. 80 of those 100 have positive mammographies. From the same 10,000 women, 9,900 will not have breast cancer, and of those 9,900 women, 950 will also get positive mammographies. This makes the total number of women with positive mammographies 950 plus 80, or 1,030. Of those 1,030 women with positive mammographies, 80 will have cancer. Expressed as a proportion, this is 80 out of 1,030, or 0.07767, or 7.8%. To put it another way, before the mammography screening, the 10,000 women can be divided into two groups. Group 1, 100 women with breast cancer. Group 2, 9,900 women without breast cancer. Summing these two groups gives a total of 10,000 patients, confirming that none have been lost in the math. After the mammography, the women can be divided into four groups. Group A, 80 women with breast cancer and a positive mammography. Group B, 20 women with breast cancer and a negative mammography. Group C, 950 women without breast cancer and a positive mammography. Group D, 8,950 women without breast cancer and a negative mammography. The sum of groups A and B, the groups with breast cancer, corresponds to group 1, and the sum of groups C and D, the groups without breast cancer, corresponds to group 2. If you administer a mammography to 10,000 patients, then out of the 1,030 with positive mammographies, 80 of those positive mammography patients will have cancer. This is the correct answer. The answer a doctor should give a positive mammography patient if she asks about the chance she has breast cancer. If 13 patients ask this question, roughly 1 out of those 13 will have cancer. The most common mistake is to ignore the original fraction of women with breast cancer and the fraction of women without breast cancer who receive false positives and focus only on the fraction of women with breast cancer who get positive results.
For example, the vast majority of doctors in these studies seem to have thought that if around 80% of women with breast cancer have positive mammographies, then the probability of women with a positive mammography having breast cancer must be around 80%. Figuring out the final answer always requires all three pieces of information. The percentage of women with breast cancer, the percentage of women without breast cancer who receive false positives, and the percentage of women with breast cancer who receive correct positives. The original proportion of patients with breast cancer is known as the prior probability. The chance that a patient with breast cancer gets a positive mammography and the chance that a patient without breast cancer gets a positive mammography are known as the two conditional probabilities. Collectively, this initial information is known as the priors. The final answer, the estimated probability that a patient has breast cancer, given that we know she has a positive result on her mammography, is known as the revised probability, or the posterior probability. What we've just seen is that the posterior probability depends in part on the prior probability. To see that the final answer always depends on the original fraction of women with breast cancer, consider an alternative universe in which only one woman out of a million has breast cancer. Even if mammography in this world detects breast cancer in 8 out of 10 cases, while returning a false positive on a woman without breast cancer in only 1 out of 10 cases, there will still be 100,000 false positives for every real case of cancer detected. The original probability that a woman has cancer is so extremely low that, although a positive result on the mammography does increase the estimated probability, the probability isn't increased to certainty or even a noticeable chance. The probability goes from 1 in 1 million to 1 in 100,000. What this demonstrates is that the mammography result doesn't replace your old information about the patient's chance of having cancer. The mammography slides the estimated probability in the direction of the result. A positive result slides the original probability upward. A negative result slides the probability downward. For example, in the original problem where 1% of the women have cancer, 80% of women with cancer get positive mammographies, and 9.6% of women without cancer get positive mammographies, a positive result on the mammography slides the 1% chance upward to 7.8%. Most people encountering problems of this type for the first time carry out the mental operation of replacing the original 1% probability with the 80% probability that a woman with cancer gets a positive mammography. It may seem like a good idea, but it just doesn't work. The probability that a woman with a positive mammography has breast cancer is not at all the same thing as the probability that a woman with breast cancer has a positive mammography. They are as unlike as apples and cheese. Question. Why did the Bayesian reasoner cross the road? Answer. You need more information to answer this question. Now, I'm sorry to break the flow of the audiobook here, but the rest of this interlude is very math-heavy and is much better followed when read instead of listened to. It's interlude, an intuitive explanation of Bayes' theorem, and can be found on pages 815 through 832 of the ebook. To save your ears and listening sanity, we'll now move ahead. <laughs> 